Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Um, We've heard um, four different um, testimonies, stories uh, of the real-life stories um, that have differences between them, between Anna and Julia and Sarah and Sophie. But I wonder if you noticed that they had something in common. And the thing that they had in common um, was that the Lord Jesus Christ... He is the hero of all of the stories. He's at the center of them each. So um, when, when Anna said that her life was uh, saved by faith in him, by the grace of God. Or Julia, at the age of 15, I recognized I needed Jesus in my life. And I asked him to forgive my sins. I sought to follow him. Or Sarah, I recognize and believe that Jesus died in my place. Or Sophie, talked of accepting him as my savior, believing he died for me today, giving my life to him. And as they get baptized this morning, what they're saying is, I've become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the hero. He is the key influencer of my life. I wonder if you've noticed that following is basic to our humanity. Basic to our humanity. All of us follow some of the time. It's the human condition. Whether it be on social media or in our culture or in our workplaces, our schools, amongst friends and family, we all have people who are key influencers in our lives. And so a really good question to ask is this. Who am I following? Because we're all following someone, being influenced by something. Well, with neither Instagram, X, or Facebook accounts, Jesus, according to the stats, has 2.4 billion followers. That's a third of the world's population. Now, much of that will be nominal. It will be kind of cultural Christianity that doesn't really have much of a life-changing effect. I guess a bit like Sarah was saying uh, when she described herself as a young adult. I described myself as a Christian, but although I believed in God, I didn't lead a godly life or have confidence in my faith. As long as I was kind and didn't break the law, then that was good enough for God. And I think that's how many people think Christianity is. But that said... How did it happen that a third of humanity at least identify outwardly as Christian? Why would anyone want to follow Jesus? If UK culture is anything to go by, Jesus seems pretty irrelevant, doesn't he? And belief in him as the Son of God who died for the forgiveness of our sins to rescue us from hell we deserve, and who rose again that we might be given eternal life with him, 
that is seen as both highly offensive and about as credible as believing in fairies. In getting baptized, Anna, Julia, Sarah, Sophie, what they are saying is this. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the historical events of Jesus' death for my sin and his resurrection that I might have eternal life. Now, if you've never, ever looked at the evidence for the life of Jesus, for the resurrection of Jesus in particular, can I encourage you uh, to grab one of these? Um, There's some of these at the back on the display table. It's called, um, Is It True? The Resurrection of Jesus. It's a great place to start. Looking at historical uh, evidence for the resurrection. Here's what one person writes about Jesus' resurrection. Without the belief in the resurrection, uh, the Christian faith could not have come into being. Jesus' disciples would have remained crushed and defeated men, even had they continued to remember Jesus as their beloved teacher. His crucifixion would have forever silenced any hope of his being their Messiah. The cross would have remained the sad and shameful end of his career. The origin of Christianity therefore hinges on the belief of the early disciples that God had raised Jesus from the dead. Now, the Bible passage that we've just read, it records Jesus alive from the dead and meeting with his disciples in the first century. So in Matthew 28, 16 to 17, have a look at it in your Bible. It's on the screen. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. It's interesting. So actually, these weren't primitive, gullible, first century people. Any more than Anna, Julia, Sarah, and Sophie aren't primitive, gullible, 21st century people. I mean, I I presume you don't think that of them this morning. Notice there's a mixture of faith and doubt here because... Well, they'd seen Jesus die, and dead people don't rise, right? Jesus' resurrection back then was too good to be true. And yet there he was, standing in front of them, back from the dead, with a real physical body. Death blights our lives and brings untold misery. So what are we to make of the person who came back from the dead? Who beats death? Well, on the next slide, just look at what Jesus says about himself. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is the man who beat death, and he has all authority. It's on the next slide there. Back in 19, sorry, 18, sorry, 1789, the United States President Benjamin Franklin famously wrote in a letter, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. There may be clever and dishonest ways to avoid taxes, but, but not death. And yet Jesus beat this greatest of enemies. The resurrection of Jesus 
is hope beyond death for the world, for me, for you. I wonder if that's something you've thought about before. That is what it is. And that is why the next thing that Jesus says to his followers is, look, you, you can't keep this to yourselves. You've got to tell the world. So Matthew 28, 18 and 19 on the next slide there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is the man who beat death, has all authority to tell his followers to make more followers. Now, if you lived in North Korea or Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or a number of other countries too, today, encouraging others to follow Jesus gets you imprisoned, tortured, killed. In the UK, Christians openly encouraging people to follow Jesus is typically seen, I mean, you tell me, as arrogant, even bigoted. And do you know what? It would be. It would be if the resurrection of Christ was a fairy tale. Jesus' teachings would be just, well, another set of ideas to add to the mix in a a multi-faith society. But if Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, doesn't that change everything? Here's hope in the face of our greatest enemy. No one dodges death. But the man who beat death has all authority. And because Jesus' death and resurrection is good news for the world, Jesus is going, you cannot keep this to yourself. I mean, that would be criminal, wouldn't it? He says, tell others. But what does it look like then to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us two things. Here's the first thing. Baptize them. Baptize them to show they belong to the one true God. Look at verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And baptism is a dramatic symbol to show that a person has become a follower of Christ. Now, it's really important to say that um, our baptistry is actually an inflatable ice tub. It's not special. Um, It's not holy. Uh, We could have swam in it this morning instead. By the way, make sure children don't, please. Um, And this morning, just around the corner, there's, there's a tap. And we filled it with ordinary tap water through a hose from my garden. And, and there's nothing, because it's the vicar's hose, it doesn't bless it going through the pipe. It's just normal tap water, okay? Um, and any vicar or priest that tells you they can make water holy is deluded. You can't do that. Holy water doesn't exist. So the moment we baptize Anna and Julia and Sarah and Sophie, nothing is going to change except them getting wet. That is all. Baptism won't make them Christians, followers of Jesus. Instead, it's a dramatic way of saying what has already to happen to them, that they are followers of Jesus. So what's the symbolism? 
And I'll repeat this a bit, a bit later with the children too, when we gather around the baptistry. But when we dunk them under the water, it symbolizes dying, in fact. They're saying, Jesus died. He went down into death to take the punishment I deserve for my sin. And I'm trusting him for forgiveness. And they're also saying, as a follower of Jesus, I have died to my old way of life. Of living for me. And then when they come back up out of the water, it symbolizes being raised to a brand new life. They're saying, Jesus, he rose from the dead for me that I might have eternal life now and forever. And they're also saying, as a follower of Jesus, I've been raised to a new life with Jesus, my Savior, my King. I belong to him. I want to obey him. It was the complete new start and change that Sophie described in her testimony when she said, by putting my trust in Jesus, accepting him as my savior, and believing that he died for me, I was able to receive forgiveness for all the things I'd bottled up and felt ashamed of through those rebellious teenage years. And I know that when I mess up, I'm still loved. I can still be forgiven. I'm not on my own. And so... Baptism is saying, I belong to God now. And that is why as we baptize Anna and Julia and Sarah and Sophie, I'm going to say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we're being very specific about the God they belong to. So when you talk about God, what God are you talking of? So he's not some vague deity who may be out there, a divine being who may be there and is kind of who I think he might be or who I might want him to be. And they're saying, no, I, I belong to the one true God, the God who is God the Father, who's revealed himself to us in the Bible. The God who has revealed himself in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of God who really died and rose again. And the God who is the Holy Spirit who has been given to me, the God who is three persons and yet one eternal God of love. And if you're a Christian here this morning and have never been baptized, can you hear Jesus' clear command to you today? Believers are commanded by Christ to be baptized. It's showing publicly your faith in Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life, your belonging to him. And a follower of Jesus is someone who gets baptized to show they belong to the one true living God. I wonder if you've come to that point. But baptism about a bit more as well. So uh, belonging to God is shown as well by obeying Jesus. And here's the second thing that Jesus tells his followers to do. Teach them to obey him. Look at verse 20. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Following Jesus is not like following a celebrity on Instagram or Facebook where um, you can choose when to look at their latest posts um, and stories and you can choose how much influence they have over you. You can choose to unfriend them, unfollow them. They're not going to notice that particularly, and it's not going to make much difference to your life. But for a genuine follower of Jesus, 
following him is life-changing. It's the easiest thing to just blend in and go along with our, our culture, to give in to peer pressure, to go along with what just society is saying around us. Followers of Jesus, we bow to a, a much higher authority. And we teach each other and help each other to obey everything Jesus has commanded in the Bible. That is exactly what Anna was talking about in her story when she said, I knew in my heart that Jesus Christ is God. I mean, that changes everything, doesn't it? I wanted to be aligned with his values and not the values of this world. For me, it was a gradual process of getting to know Jesus through his word. And so I really want to encourage, particularly Anna, Julia, Sarah, and Sophie this morning, I want to especially encourage you today to have God's word, the Bible, right at the heart of your everyday life. Because that's how, as a disciple of Jesus, you know him more. And you get to live under his good and, and wonderful rule. And enjoy that personal relationship with him that he saved you for. But you know, each of us this morning, we're following someone, something. There are key influences in your life who shape your priorities, your decisions, and your lifestyle. It might be very subtle. You may not have articulated or spotted it, but they're all there for all of us. But here's the big takeaway this morning. The man who beat death, Jesus, has all authority to call you to follow him. Just like Anna, Julia, Sarah, and Sophie are today. To call you to turn from your sin of rejecting his rule. Maybe treating him like a fairy at the bottom of the garden. And trust in his death and resurrection for your forgiveness. To be right with God. To be given eternal life. A life seeking to obey him in following him. And you know, for all who do, Jesus gives a wonderful promise. Because he's beaten death, Jesus has all authority. It's right at the end of um, verse 20. Have a look at it. He promises his followers he'll be with them forever. Verse 20. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now look, that, that promise isn't a promise that any one of us can make to our loved ones. We just can't. I mean, the only way you can make that promise is if you're alive forevermore. And it's a promise that Jesus keeps by sending his Holy Spirit into the lives of all who trust in Jesus and follow him empower them to tell the world about him. That is what Julia was talking about in her story when she said she was filled with the Holy Spirit and a switch switched on that I needed Jesus in my life and I knew unconditionally he was with me always. Being a Christian means that no matter what life brings to you, you never walk alone. We have a saying in our family, um, as our kids came to faith, um, as they were heading into an exam or onto the sports field or uh, into a difficult situation, we'd say to them as they go, remember who's with you? And the answer was always Jesus. Look, following Jesus, sorry, following someone, something is basic to our humanity. Who or what are you following 
today? Who are the key influencers in your life? And can you see this morning that because 2,000 years ago Jesus beat death, he has all authority for the rest of time, right down to today, to call humanity, to call you to follow him. Why not do that today? Like those getting baptized this morning. Trust that Jesus died to take the just punishment of hell for your sin. Trust in him alone for forgiveness. Believe that Jesus rose from the dead to give you eternal life, real hope, not wishful thinking, real hope of life with him forever beyond this life and give your life to him. You will never regret it and get baptized, showing that you've died with Jesus to your old way of life of living for yourself and you've been given a new life with Jesus at the center.